Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. A lesson that all movie reviewers should learn regularly is that the movie business wasn't built purely to entertain them. The movies are there for everyone. Not everyone at the same time, sadly, but certainly not just for the so-called experts. Well, speaking as a so-called expert, it's easy to be lured into a full sense of comfort when the cinemas screen intelligent, well-acted dramas and comedies, meaning films aimed at people like us. You are a god. Music. But what about all those other times, those times when it seems the cinemas are full of sequels to films you didn't like in the first place, that feature stars whose mysterious allure has bypassed you, or that wear their stupidity as some sort of badge of honour? I've been watching Jackass since I was 12 years old. And guess what? We're here. We have winners, and we have Steve-O. There ain't a bunch of NASA scientists right now. Well then, my reviewing friend, you're going to have to suck it up and see these things anyway. It's not about you, in other words. It's about everyone else. Sometimes, like those kings in old fairy tales, you have to dress up as common folk and find out what it is they really want to see. And this week, that meant Tom Cruise. Your instructor is one of the finest pilots this program has ever produced. The critics seem to be unanimous that the belated sequel to the 1986 smash hit Top Gun is even better than the original. Well, having avoided the first film for, it turns out, 36 years, I'll just have to take their word for that. His exploits are legendary. These days, the first Top Gun is regularly described as iconic. It certainly kick-started many careers. Director Tony Scott, producer Jerry Bruckheimer, and of course Tom Cruise, who transformed overnight from a hard-working, ambitious young actor into the biggest star in the world, a position he still holds all these decades later. 30-plus years of service. Combat medals, citations, only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Well, the other two movies this week were aimed at a more specific demographic, the girls' night out crowd. If you and your besties were part of the enthusiastic crowds at Bridesmaids, Rough Night, Sex in the City and Girls' Trip, you're ready for these two. We haven't hung in five years. I miss you guys. We need a girl's trip. That's my car. Not anymore, baby. What if I just whip out my titties, you know? Okay, a titty. I'll take a titty for a bike ride. 
Sweden's The Tuesday Club and Australia's How to Please a Woman have a surprising number of things in common, apart from having absolutely no interest in my opinion. They're both about making housework sexy. I just think there are a lot of women who really like the thought of a man cleaning their house, shirtless on request, and I think they'll pay for it. Is that all right with everyone? One's about cleaning, the other's about cooking. They're both about women of a certain age linked to unsatisfactory husbands. They both feature swimming for some reason. And despite their feminist credentials, their happy endings involve meeting Mr. Right. But for the past 30 years, there's been no Mr. Right as right as Tom Cruise. He's always been Hollywood's top gun. Yet you can't get a promotion, you won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. Whatever your opinion of Tom Cruise movies, you can't deny his clear-eyed focus on what they're for, to keep him on top. He tailors every film he makes to that end. He still looks amazing. He famously does most of his own stunts, stunts that frequently make professional stuntmen blanch. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are, Captain. What is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. And the film that started it all was an apparently schlocky bit of Hollywood cheese called Top Gun, featuring jet fighters, girls with big hair, and guys with great nicknames, Maverick, Iceman, Hollywood, and Goose. But it did everything right. It was one of the top grossing hits of the decade. And for the next 30 years, producer Jerry Bruckheimer has been chivying crews to make the sequel. Your reputation precedes you. I have to admit, I wasn't expecting an invitation back. They're called orders, Maverick. <laughs> Well, here it is, Top Gun Maverick, and the years have done nothing for Pete Mitchell's rogue disposition. He's been the top test pilot in the Navy, happily staying away from any threat of responsibility. Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. One day he's summoned by some big-name naval high-ups, played by Ed Harris and John Hamm, at the behest of an even bigger name in Top Gun terms at any rate. Iceman, Maverick's main rival in the first film, played by Val Kilmer. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. There's a suicidally dangerous mission to be carried out in foreign parts. Like the original Top Gun, this film is rather coy about which evil empire they're tackling. So the Navy has brought together a squad of brilliant young pilots with Old Hand Maverick to train them up. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. just want to manage expectations. Now, you may wonder at Tom Cruise playing someone who's teaching someone else to do something amazing. Or not. Frankly, if you've paid good money to go to a Tom Cruise film, you've probably already got a pretty good idea who's likely to take those planes out into the wild blue yonder. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. 
This is your captain speaking. And we're off. But before any taking off into harm's way can take place, we have to meet the young'uns who think they can match up to Maverick. As if, as we used to say back in the 1980s. This being the 2020s, the lineup is a little more representative than it used to be. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? There are feisty women like Phoenix, ultra-cool fanboy, the swaggering hangman, and the son of Maverick's dead wingman, Goose, Rooster, played by Miles Teller. My dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. I was never sure precisely what a wingman did in films like Top Gun. A little more than a sidekick, a little less than a partner, I think. Anyway, Rooster continues to blame Maverick for the death of his dad. It's up to Maverick's new love interest, Jennifer Connelly, to encourage our hero. Someone's not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You will never forgive yourself. Well, it came as some surprise to me that Maverick needed any encouragement, but he's clearly learnt a little humility over the years. OK, that's enough characterization. Let's get these birds up in the air. Here we go. In three, two, one... And once the top brass points out it's actually physically impossible to do whatever the task is the top guns are meant to do, then you know somehow Tom himself will put away his teaching paraphernalia and simply show them how it's done. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. And as always these days, Tom Cruise really does show everyone how it's done. Many of Top Gun Maverick's stunts were live and real, unlike the first film where much of it was done with models. But these days, Tom is also smart enough to know that a movie doesn't fly on just spectacular stunts. No turning back now. Aside from Tom, there are nice performances by John Hamm and Jennifer Connelly, though the most touching scene is one between Cruz and his one-time rival on and off the screen, Val Kilmer. Now battling throat cancer, Kilmer can barely talk now, but he still gives Tom humanity in a film otherwise devoted to propping up the legend, something Tom hardly needs to remind us of these days. The end is inevitable, Maverick. You kind of set it for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today.
Right now, the Norwegians seem to have stolen a march on the Swedish film industry when it comes to waving a Scandinavian flag. To be fair, both the best recent Norwegian films, romantic comedy The Worst Person in the World and The Chilling The Innocence, were both the work of one man, Eskil Vogt. Nevertheless, it's a bit of a plummet from them to Sweden's The Tuesday Club. The Tuesday Club opens on the anniversary party of middle-aged couple Karen and Sten. While Karen is icing the cake, she intercepts a sexy message that's been sent to Sten's phone. Don't leave your phone by the cake, Sten. When Karen confronts Sten, he falls into the barbecue. How long have you been caught, Papa? I've been an idiot. Sten is untrogen. Who fan will live with Sten? Karen shares the news that Sten has been cheating at the local swimming pool where she catches up with girlfriends, Pia and Monica. They decide the only way to cheer her up is a good old girls' night out. And since this movie is exclusively aimed at the girls' night out audience, this should get everyone in the right mood. We would build our own slickades for they go to a posh restaurant to lay out the following bits of important plot. First, Karen, our heroine, reveals she was once a successful cook before her wings were clipped by home and family. And second, the restaurant's dishy chef is apparently starting a cooking class every Tuesday. That's right, a real-life Swedish chef played by Peter Stomari, who you may remember in films like Fargo, The Big Lebowski and John Wick. Here he plays Henrik, whose culinary skills are matched only by his lack of social skills. Who can bring him out of himself, we wonder? You can't let me to hold up on that kush transit longer. This stuff of salt. S O G A. In the shaft, in the prop. With Karen's errant husband lingering in hospital, recovering from his guilty barbecue mishap, there's nothing to stop her and her besties, Pia and Monica, from going to cooking class, nicknamed the Tuesday Club. There, Chef Henrik lays down the law in the kitchen, and he and Karen strike sparks off each other. She likes to improvise. He's more a stickler for the recipe. You want to follow the recipe? I like to go with the recipe. Yes, but here you follow my instructions. Have you thought about the tone you use against people? Absolutely. Who is it? No guessing what happens, by the way. We'll get there eventually. Meanwhile, I found myself sidetracked by a phenomenon that Sweden seems to share with many other European countries. They all seem to speak English extremely well, often slipping into it when you least expect it. If you need me, call me. No matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby. Even 
Even I'm not as fluent in the lyrics of the old Marvin Gaye Tammy Terrell number Ain't No Mountain High Enough as Karen, Pierre and Monica. But I digress. We watch the various members of the small cooking class make various dishes, an unlikely blend of Swedish and Japanese. I have to say, not much actual teaching seems to go on. The wafer-thin characters simply offer a parade of finished dishes, like a TV cooking show. In the spirit of something like a plot, Karen is encouraged to stop being a doormat at home and think about going her own way. Will she triumphantly revive her cooking ambitions, do you think? Will those steamy looks across the kitchen bench with Henrik come to anything? Well, I can tell you that in the end there's another party. There's champagne and happy endings all round, of course. The Tuesday Club was always going to be that sort of movie. Not so much a Michelin-star Friday night banquet, more a reasonably priced Tuesday night smorgasbord. The second helping of the Girls' Night Out program this week is a spicy little sweetmeat of a film, the title of which sets out both the subject matter and the target audience, How to Please a Woman. An Australian production, it stars popular English actress Sally Phillips as Gina, who's given an unusual birthday present by her friends. Gina. Yes? You got me for two hours. Two hours? Then I'll do anything you want me to do. Anything? Do you think you could clean my house? What? The girls go swimming together every week and there's much ribald fun at the idea of giving Gina the services of a stripper called Tom. In fact, Tom was planning to take it to the next level with Gina, so to speak, until she diverted him towards housework. Thank you very much for the sex worker you sent to my home. But if I want that, I will find it in my own marriage. Can you get the vibe? The fact is that Gina's home life with hubby Adrian is no great shakes, and nor is that of all these swimming buddies. They want something more. You mean house cleaning? Well, yes, if this was a frothy 70s sitcom, but these days everyone's taking it to the next level. Who were? No, I mean, she's right, guys. It's not like any of us singles are getting any. Contrary to appearances, we haven't given up on sex, and we're sick of cleaning the house. Sounds amazing, actually. Having a man clean your house. So Gina chases up Tom the stripper and finds him working at a local moving company called, with magnificent obviousness, Pleased to Move You. But it seems they're going out of business. So Gina offers them a spicy upgrade of their services, if you catch my drift. I would like to make an offer on the removals company, Pleased to Move You. Well, you can help us. We clean houses and, you know, and give orgasms. Um, obviously, there must be a minimum of one orgasm. <laughs> Actually, as a mere male and therefore outside the girls' night out market, my attention also kept drifting throughout How to Please a Woman. I wondered how this might have played out if the genders were reversed. 
you know, how to please a man with female strippers and middle-aged male clients. Don't go there is possibly the best advice here. Women are quite tricky to please. They all seem to say completely different things. What if he doesn't like me? Why do you think he wouldn't like you? I might have to forget myself to get started. You know, I think you were here to remember yourself. Anyway, the three newly assigned sex workers come cleaners are sent to work. There's a fourth mover, the middle-aged but charming Steve, who doesn't feel he's up for the new job description. For some reason, this seems to be a plus with Gina rather than a liability. Meanwhile, her swimming friends leap at the new service offered by Please to Move You. Taking a cue from Sigmund Freud's famous conundrum, What Do Women Want? These women are more than willing to tell all. Excuse me, are you the one with the service? I've heard it's very good. He gets into every crevice. If I'm paying for it, I want lots of edging. Ease towards it, then back off. A delicious lead-up and then... Total annihilation. (laughs) And not only about activity in the boudoir, it seems that an almost as important part of how to please a woman is learning to clean the house properly. For audiences frustrated at the lack of films featuring efficient semi-naked vacuum cleaning, this film, written and directed by Renee Webster, fills that gap. Your job is to give orgasms. It's not actually illegal. We checked. As far as the other glaring gap, appealing, halfway believable characters, How to Please a Woman finds itself, once again, relying on rather better performances than the script deserves. Notably Sally Phillips, who spent years playing characters like Gina on TV and in films like Bridget Jones, and knows how to add dimension to a character that otherwise doesn't have any. We are fulfilling a need for all those women who feel sexually invisible. Yes. Sex. Pleasure. Integrity. Discretion. Best ever route you get all year. What the target audience wants, of course, is for Gina to get rid of her boring husband, I mean, Adrian, I ask you, and stoke a fire under Steve, the reluctant mover. Since Steve is played by the always charming Eric Thompson, who can best be described as an Antipodean Colin Firth, there's no real need to build his character up much more than that. Oh, I thought we were all going around. Yeah, integrity's good. All good, naughty fun, though. I suspect generally husbands and boyfriends will be excused from having to attend. Interestingly, for a film that proudly claims to take the stigma out of the sex industry, neither Gina nor Steve avail themselves of its services. They prefer instead that least daring and most traditional of conclusions, the chaste happy ending. Jane Austen would approve, I'm sure. Well, it's a truth universally acknowledged that this show is over. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.